Hello and welcome to Loopholes, your weekly discussion podcast about all things esoteric and esoterotic. I'm Kate Cheryl. Hello. I'm Ian Bosworth. Hello for episode 25. Welcome to episode 25. Quarter century. God, we're getting on a bit, aren't we? Even saying it like that implies there's going to be another 75 to get to 100. <laughs> yeah, let's not let's not commit too much. Let's take it one day at a time. Yeah. <laughs> How are you this week? Are you doing okay? I'm doing all right, thank you. Yeah, no, no ghostly interventions at my house. You've been doing ghostly stuff though, haven't you? I have been doing ghostly stuff. I did some recordings for the Jamaica Inn. Yeah. Sat in front of a green screen and talking about ghosts for a few hours, which was quite fun. Is that for promotion? They're redoing all the museums. So they've got like a Jamaica Inn smuggling museum on site. Right. So I'll be, you know, like when you go into museums and they've got that little video playing in a separate room. Well, I was under the impression that the Jamaica Inn was a pub. Have they not got like a, a chalkboard outside that they could just write things on? And it, It's big. The Jamaica Inn's a lot bigger than you think. Dispense with you having to go filming. No, no, no. <laughs> No, because I, I need it. If you're listening to Maker in, it's cheaper getting a chalkboard. <laughs> but they've, they've got, like, you know, the hotel and the restaurant and yeah. the museum and, like, a Daphne du Maurier bit. Right. So I did stuff for the museum and for this documentary that they're doing. Oh, it's uh, I know it's big and it's a full establishment of exploitation. I'm aware of that. Oh. <laughs> it's lovely. It's a gorgeous place. It really is gorgeous. Didn't you once tell me that you could get free accommodation there if I wanted to go to the Jamaica Inn? Well, if if I was doing a talk at the yeah. time and you came along as my esteemed guest... I'm not going to the Jamaica Inn, you crazy bitch. There's all ghosts there and everything. <laughs> Why would you want me to go there, you crazy bitch? I know, I know. I'm, uh, I'm trying to work on a new catchphrase. <laughs> You'd be excellent at marketing. Yeah, I reckon so. Chalkboards... And catchphrases, that's what that's yeah. all you need. Jamaica in if and you're listening. Shop. I could do this much cheaper. If you're listening, Jamaica in <laughs> I'll sort you a chalkboard. No. 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 And catchphrases. Um I expect they would say no too. Uh, should we go to the comments from last time? Yes, let's. Let's plough through them because I know you've got a lot to say today. I do. This this exorcist has been nibbling at my ankles since yeah. we first mentioned him. Well, you did say in the last episode that you were going to talk about Bermuda Triangle? Yes, in a roundabout way. Well, more of a triangular way. Hey, there we go. (laughs) Well done. Here's some comments from mine. Kevin Moore said, Why did Kate's favourite exorcism sound like she was talking about a childhood toy like My Little (laughs) Pony? Oh, Would anyone like to know my favourite My Little Pony? Yeah, go for it. Um, My favourite pony, like actual pony, not just from the cartoons, is Baby First Tooth North Star. Any kind of North Star, I'm a big fan. Callum McCarthy said, <laughs> The Beast of Bowlesworth Manor sounds like a shit Sherlock Holmes rip-off story. I'll get back to you with the first draft. Uh, well, you no need, Callum. I've already started writing that. Thank you for the muse. <laughs> Paul Kenny said, I didn't comment last week. I've missed out. Chris Carpenter said the same. It's because last week was, of course, all comments, wasn't it? The whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Comment central. Fraser, cult dog walker, said, I enjoyed <laughs> Ian saying it's a misconception that he is controlling while reading comments from actual cult members. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is probably fair enough. Yeah. I don't have much argument back to that, and I am more right nope. at arguing. But all your little subheading names do come about because I started a cult on my Patreon. Oliver <laughs> Woods. I would just like to say I thought it would sound funny to come off of that man. Oh, yeah, this is because Oliver last week said about <laughs> whether I would be his friend. And in this one, mm-hmm. he says again, be my friend. And... Uh, I, th- 
I mean, th- I'm not sure this is the platform. This is loopholes, this, mate. <laughs> not Tinder. Exactly. You know, I, I will bar all friendship requests from these platforms. No friendships allowed. No positive relationships allowed. Exactly. Andy Walker said, is Dr. Cheryl selling any used orbs asking for a friend? <laughs> Okay. On positive thinking, while laid up in hospital with a knackered ankle, I kept thinking that it could have been a lot worse. I lugged down the stairs, so could have injured both legs, pelvis, spine, etc. Did positive thinking help? Did it F? I had to have a second operation, as the pins had failed. I don't think anyone's claimed, have they, that positive thinking can mend broken bones? Oh, someone will have claimed it, but that someone will be a nutter. I think it's more sort of uh, illnesses that grow in your body, or can grow in your body, and it's a way of, people see it as a way of reversing the... Like, a lot of people will say that stress is a big cause of cancer. Yeah, I don't necessarily think cancer in particular, but I think certainly if if you're incredibly stressed, stress shows in the body and will just, you know, you will get more ill. I've definitely heard of a link between high stress and cancer, Mm -hmm. but I don't know whether I've ever heard of a medical link. It might just be anecdotal that that I've heard. Yeah. But have you got any used orbs you can sell to Andy Walker? I think he's flirting. Um, I'll have a route around. I could, you know, I could do with the cash, to be honest. So I'll have a route around. See, I'll I'll dust some off and send them your way. <laughs> Make sure you do dust them off first. <laughs> all them cobwebs and stuff. Make sure you get it all dusted off properly yeah, before yeah, you send yeah. it. Shane Darrell, very enjoyable episode, and looking forward to hearing how a massive geographical area can be exorcised. Are priests allowed to wear snorkels? I was raised Catholic in the north of Ireland and remember the 90s being very exorcist heavy. Was even afraid to go around my friend's house because his parents had the exorcist on VHS. All very silly, really. Yeah, well, I I don't know if you can wear a snorkel with vestments. Maybe there should be, especially if you're a Catholic exorcist, underwater. I mean, I don't know that we should have got to a point where we are seriously fielding the question, can priests (laughs) wear snorkels? Yeah, but obviously any priest can wear a snorkel out of priestly duties. I mean, Graham Bench just said that he enjoyed the episode and I was happy with that. Thanks, Graham. Thanks, Graham. But back to the snorkel. I think maybe you could design Catholic-related snorkels and diving equipment, maybe like a scuba tank with a triptych on the back or something. Right. I think right. it's it's an untapped field. Just stick to selling your orbs. I think you're making life too complicated for yourself with oh, your new sorry. business venture. <laughs> Alice Norton, confession. Despite loving horror films, I have never seen The Exorcist nor its sequels. I am 35 now, 11 years older than Ian, and feel I just never <laughs> will now. Does the Bermuda Triangle turn up in it? Might be to reply to that saying, you have to remedy that right now. The real trilogy is The Exorcist, The Ninth Configuration, Legion, Exorcist 3. Don't bother with the others like Exorcist 2 or Dominion, The Beginning. And yes, they are mostly set in or around the Bermuda Triangle. I have also only seen the first Exorcist film. I've seen the first, and what was the prequel one? I don't know. I fell asleep in Exorcist 2. I mean, I think I was just tired, but I really, I wasn't caring for it at all. But I hesitate to say this. I didn't yeah. overly care for The Exorcist. Right, okay. I think, because I saw it relatively late, I think it was it banned for quite a while, The Exorcist, or very hard to get hold of for quite a while. I, I know that there was no way of seeing it, I know that. Yes. It wasn't in the video yeah. shop and things like that, as I recall anyway. And it was only when it was re-released later on mm. that I got it. So I think I'd potentially built it up too much in my head 
I think I potentially thought, oh, this is going to be crazy mad horror film. And I actually yeah. think, and it's a long time since I've watched it, so apologies if I'm getting this wrong, but I actually think it would have a far greater impact on you in terms of scaring mm. you if you subscribed to the religious connotations within it, if you oh, subscribe to the idea of demons and stuff. And I think maybe because I don't, and because it was presented in a relatively realistic way, you know, it wasn't just yeah. a, a schlock horror film. Yeah, I think yeah. I struggled to tally the two things. That yeah. being said, I got very scared watching Paranormal Activity, um, mm. and that's presented as a real thing. Ditto the Blair Witch Project. So I can yeah. engage with things and be moved by them, even though I don't subscribe to any either religious or esoteric belief. Yeah, well, I think that that's a sign of ultimately a good film, a good story. I mean, I, with The Exorcist... And a good person, person. A good person. And a good person. A very yeah. good person who everyone Thank wants you. to be friends with, but they're not allowed. <laughs> I read The Exorcist before yeah. I was able to watch the film okay. because I had to do a lot of my horror education secretly because I think my mother was quite concerned about influences and I was already dressing like a corpse so right. I think she was trying to ease the transition from child to goth right, as much okay. as possible. But I read the book first, and I'd still say that The Exorcist, or at least how I enjoyed it at the time, is one of the scariest books I've ever read. Then when I was finally able to watch The Exorcist secretly at a friend's house, you know, right. then I was it kind of paled in comparison a bit. Yeah. Maybe there's an element of relatability, because I can, I guess with... To use Paranormal Activity as an example, because they're the two films I always use, because they're mm. the two films that I always remember being so scared at, as an adult yes. as well, being yeah, so scared yeah. at. It's relatability. I guess I couldn't relate in any way, shape or form to the idea mm. of being a little girl possessed by a devil. <laughs> or, because I don't have children, I'm not going to have children, I couldn't relate yeah. to that happening to my child. Yes. Because, to be honest with you, if I had had a child, I'd be like, oh no, this is an absolute disaster. And then if they got possessed by a devil, I'd be like, oh, brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be saying to the priest, how long will this take? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I want to plan my weekend. Right, next next, uh, next comment, anyone? Well, I don't know what was the risk, what was the risk of what was going to happen to her? What what would, I mean, I'm being flippant, obviously, but what was the risk? Yeah. What would, if it had just gone, don't do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> She's well, giving no, it, oh, your mother washes socks. <laughs> That's the Daz advert version. If they just said to the vicar or whoever it was, yeah. <laughs> don't bother, just don't bother, just leave her yeah. to it. What would have happened? It, I mean, it was more concerned with, the state of the immortal soul. So you want to keep that all nice and shiny for people that have children and like them. But then also the child in like corporeal form would also die because of the suffering. No, that's what I'm asking. What what would have happened in that room? (laughs) So where she was on the the bed? The kid would die. Right. Or the kid would be permanently inhabited by an ancient demon. Now, you know I say I don't want children. Yeah. In having children. Now my interest is piqued. Because you might like a little ancient demon running around your house. Little devil child? I'm all in on that. Why? Do you think it would do jobs for you or something? I don't know. I don't want it to die. That was obviously flippancy, as I said earlier on. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. if I had a child, I would, I'd want it to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way... 
if anyone is up in arms about me saying that, just be honest with yourself. Most people have children for their own entertainment, <laughs> right? Just be honest with yourself. They have children yeah. for their own entertainment and so they can load Facebook with pictures that nobody's interested in seeing. <laughs> it's like checking pictures of your dinner. I don't care. Again, this might be a week where I'm not in the mood. <laughs> it might be a week <laughs> where I've got no patience. I've had a bit of a hospital issue and I'm just in a bit of a bad mood. The other thing, right, as well, as I'm in this mm. sort of mood, the other yes. thing... Um, now, I enjoy a scary movie. As we've discussed mm-hmm. before, I'm less engaged with horror and gore nowadays, but yes. I enjoy a frightening film. I do like mm-hmm. it. The thing that has been a long-term stick in my craw, as it were, with movies... I mean, I know there's not many movies about exorcisms, but <laughs> the thing that always sticks in my craw is it's always a possession. Always. So whenever these things start happening... Oh, it's a child, or somebody starts acting weird and blah, 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 and then people don't believe in it and all that sort of business, and then they bring yeah. the priest in and someone's going, no, that won't do anything, this isn't what's going on. It is all, the storyline always goes that it is an actual mm-hmm. possession. I've never seen a film where it's turned out to be mental illness or what have you. you know, I've, I've never seen a film that's yeah. just dismissed it. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of one. I'm sure that there must be some kind of, at least an indie film. Yeah that takes that narrative. But even the ones yeah. that are about to come out in the cinemas now are, are very, oh no, demon heavy, eyes rolling back in the in your yeah, head. Yeah, I just find it tremendously whatnot. predictable as well as an idea. You know, it's just like, yeah. oh, I've seen this story a million times and I didn't like it with The Exorcist. I wasn't bothered yeah. about that one. Yeah, I think you're more likely to find that sort of narrative in books, really. Right, even from okay. the 70s onwards, when you had, you know, the big, big wave of certainly child possession in pulp fiction. right. Obviously, a lot of that is beautiful. Sandy Sue was sweet 16, but when she turned to Satan, she became the devil whore woman. Paperback 2.99. You know, there's there's a lot of that, but there's also (laughs) some quite nuanced uh, literature about possession and exorcism and the concept of sin. I mean, I've stopped listening because all I'm thinking is, she's got that book. (laughs) (laughs) Mike Beatty, cult beekeeper. Don't worry about it. Do you think Derek Akura will ever find a way to reach us from the other side? Should we do a seance? Uh, and that sparked quite a discussion between PJ and Mike, uh, where oh, PJ okay. said, do ghosts have spirit guides? I'm not ridiculing the idea of spirit guides. I think there might be something in it, even if it is something in the unconscious mind. The thing I have difficulty accepting is an afterlife where people are locked for infinity in the same mind as the living person, but in an eternal spirit. It seems like wishing hell on someone when you consider the implications. I mean, that sounds to me like a purgatory idea. Mm -hmm. But that is a maintained narrative, isn't it? Well, Mike said there's so many problems with it. What do you end up with? If you marry again, what age do you want to be? If you go too young, will you still have kids? Do you still carry sadness, loss, depression, etc.? All the things that make you disappear with Mm. death. Yeah. And then it goes off tangent then, because Mike says, that said, I'd like to come back as a branch of Woolworths. And PJ says, I blooming love a pick and mix. And that's at that point, I stopped reading. <laughs> <laughs> well, firstly, you know, I also miss Woolworths pick and mix terribly. Well, and if you so... carry on, I will stop listening. No, no, I'm, that's no. So that's that's that out of the yeah. way. Yeah. The issue of if you go into, you know, spirit world and you've you've lost a wife and you've got a new one. What yeah. happens then, I think, is it's Freeway. been like a concern. Freeway. 
Oh, here we go. Um, <laughs> a concern for three waves. Three waves. But that's all you can hear in heaven. <laughs> I bet you if you go up to heaven, all you can hear from down the heavenly cloud yeah. roads is a chorus yeah. of three waves. Three waves. <laughs> I was thinking more like religious sects with a T, sects. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, LDS, you know, like Mormons, things like that, who believe in, like, the, the concept of the eternal family. Right. I, I know lots of religious groups address it, of, like, reuniting as a family in eternity, but... Yeah. I don't know, it'd be pretty awkward. But as for spirit guides, I think as soon as their earthly medium dies, mm. then their sort of professional relationship is is severed. They're just more Almost. mates then, aren't they? Because they're both ghosts then. I, I think so, yeah. Joseph yeah. Space Superstar said, I'll be your friend, Dr. Kate. I don't know what that referred to. Did you ask for a friend or is it because... Oh, it's because you were getting all friend requests. But we're saying, shutting down friend chat. Sorry, Joseph. She's she, she's really like rebutted you there, mate. I do apologise no. for that. Well, it's thank awful. you, Joseph. I, I would love for you to be my friend. Yeah, and if you do become friends with him, just, just don't let him sing. Dylan Spicer, great episode. <laughs> the concept of the normalisation of violence in popular culture, such as Jack the Ripper, is so interesting. I always think it's weird how the passing of time can completely shrink the horror of something. For example, pirates were murderers, and yet a kid's pirate party is completely benign. Thank you for using murders as your point of reference. In a few <laughs> weeks, we have a fun bank holiday based around vivid crucifixion imagery. That's because we're recording this uh, not far off Easter. And it's totally fine to tell children the gory details of how it works. I'll be honest, I don't really know what my overall point is, except how we can seem to pick and choose what is acceptable and what is too horrific to mention. Mm. Such is life, mate. I guess everyone has their own meter of Mm. what is upsetting to them. And I think that does fluctuate within your life, which I think is a good thing. But I also think your primary socialisation at school and all that, well, parental's primary socialisation, but if we put that hand in hand with school and if you go to a religious school or or a school that uh, perpetuates the lord's prayer and all that sort of business and particularly in the uk that's more common then i guess there's a degree of indoctrination with that i don't even say that accusatory yeah. you know what i mean i guess there's a but I, I think also when it comes to like you're saying the the crucifixion the stations of the cross that sort of thing yeah how you describe that to children again varies dramatically depending on what kind of branch of christianity you know, that, that child is in, in terms of their yeah. education. So And how mentally yeah. unstable you wish to make them in their adult life. Hmm. So, you know, I think you've got to consider, <laughs> you've got to consider that. Yeah. Let's get them riddled with guilt so they can barely operate as a human being. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree completely. <laughs> Annette Truby, so was it a demon eating all the ships and planes in the triangle then? Who knew? Well, I guess we're going to find out, aren't we? We're going to find out in a minute. Rob Graves, another great episode. I'd half climbed up the steps to my intellectual lifeguard chair and was preparing to let you in on the 1938 origin of the phrase. And then I must say, and Rob's had a lot of attention on this show and we'll have more in the future, but I will have to confess that I screen grabbed the comments and when I've screen grabbed it, I've chopped off the bottom of his pants. (laughs) So I don't know. (laughs) Got no idea. drama. What the next bit was. (laughs) Oh God, Okay. Tune in next week for the rest. Hang on, I'll find it. Hang on a second. Was preparing to let you, Ian, on the 1938 origin of the phrase gaslighting, and then I got a shout out from you without even commenting, so I'll just climb on down again this time. Um, I I know, I do know. So with regards to gaslighting, right, 
when I say, and I've said it on a few things now, where I say I believe that's what the kids call gaslighting, I'm also talking about how the kids are getting it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you don't want to over-explain that, really. I know I just no. have. You know what I mean? When I say things like what the kids would call problematic, and it's like, well, I, yes. I know what the word problematic means. And it doesn't just mean that. Yes. <laughs> Your use of the word problematic is problematic. Oh, don't. Even even you just saying it makes my bones ache. That's not... Stephen Ray said, I'm not looking forward to ne- next week's episode. Oh. I hate exercise. It leaves me all breathless and sweaty and with pain in my arms and legs. Sorry. Oh, you trickster. Uh, John Carson says, the cancelled TV show Kate mentioned did... Now, th- I'll tell you what, I'm not going to read this comment out. And the reason being is, I'll tell you about it later, Kate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason being is, is if we've not mentioned something, what something is, we've done that for mm-hmm. a reason. So we don't, yeah. it'd be daft for us to then read out something that would say yeah. what that, that was. And also, John, I see, I know what the show is and I don't see what the link is with what you've written. I think you might mm-hmm. be thinking of something else, maybe. Right. So over on my comments on my Patreon. Yes. We have... PJ, who said, I don't know if Demon Red Eye is a thing. I just made it up as a device to slag off orbs. Soz for coming over as an esoteric lifeguard. Brackets, no <laughs> bombing, petting or illogical beliefs in the shallow end, please, dinner ladies. Thing Are is, you disappointed? No. I'm, I'm quite... Someone will have said it somewhere, even though they've made it up. Someone will have said it somewhere. Oh, yeah, no, I thought it was brilliant. And also, I like the idea of everyone having a lifeguard chair for when they have a sudden aggressive opinion against dinner ladies. I think that was wonderful. I also like the idea, because I do a bit of art, me, and I like the idea of making a sign, potentially, along those same lines, like yeah. a swimming pool sign that <laughs> bans any chat of esoteric nonsense in my house. <laughs> Look, if you don't want me to come over to record these things, you just have to say. <laughs> Look, this this is good. We're on Zoom. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to spend half an hour where you're setting fire to herbs after we record to re-cleanse the atmosphere. I have never, <laughs> ever saged your she house. Does, she does do that. She brings sage around. And whenever we have a chat about esoteric stuff, because she considers a lot of what I say to be quite offensive, she waves sage around <laughs> on my head. <laughs> Then she does a dance in the garden, which is, quite frankly, one of the most erotic yet disturbing <laughs> things you will ever see in your life. All right, fair play, that bit is true. The thing is, I have a lot of time for the esoteric, but I kind of resent orbs, mainly because they're used to pad out otherwise interesting paranormal books. To me, orbs are like the carpet stains of esoterotica. Drudgery to deal with, but you reach a point of acceptance. Maybe put a rug over them and consider laminate flooring in future. So is this a general opinion in the esoteric and paranormal communities and all those sorts of things? Is it a general opinion in the majority that most people just roll their eyes at the Orbs chat? Or is there a real movement that believe in it? Are are they outnumbered? Personally, from what I've seen online, I think more people are anti orb than pro orb yeah that's what i'm getting from like comments and things like that that's what i'm yeah that's why i ask but i see yeah i see the anti-orb responses because people are posting so many orb videos oh yeah they're responding to something yeah Yeah, so it's same number isn't it yeah Yeah, so it's tricky to measure really it does seem to be generally derided and dismissed oh yeah but again i i am generalizing there because that's all i've seen believe it or not yeah i very rarely go looking yeah (laughs) yeah He says, if old Bermuda boy is still around, maybe he could exercise away orbs. 
would love it if you did that. Look how I linked it back to today's episode. Seamless, you're welcome. Well, we still don't know what this story is. We're going to find out in a moment. Yes. Matt Ebbs, Cult Mountain Goat, said, "Uh, I'm very excited to hear about your favourite exorcism and how someone can remove demons from a massive patch of ocean. But I'm also (laughs) curious to ask, do you have an exorcism you love to hate? For example, one that makes you angry, but you're fascinated by it. Um, do you have a favourite exorcism, Ian? I don't know of any exorcism in real life. Like, I know, I probably heard, again, anecdotally, or I've probably seen something in a film that said based on true events or yeah. what have you, but I'm not really up to date with it. I'm going to ask you about it when we talk about exorcisms. Yeah. We will, we'll discuss that part of it. Yeah, well, I'll say, just to keep things light and fluffy at the minute, because obviously a lot of famous exorcisms were kind of just horrible exploitation of mental health and epilepsy and people that were devout, you know, all that sort of thing. But... My favourite exorcisms that I'll happily talk about are kind of animal related. So Mm. did you know that in a luxury pet spa in Japan, I think it's for about $300, a Shinto priest will come in and exorcise your pet. So that's Um, Yes, I did. I did know about that. I did. I knew all about it. So there's no need to talk about it. (laughs) I'm also very interested in the animal trials of the Middle Ages and the history of exorcising rats. Thanks very much, Matt Ebbs, for asking. Where's my sage? Where's my sage? (laughs) I'm going to light it. (laughs) Well, Sophie Cleverly said, I honestly have the fear of being the internet villain as well. And one of the main things I worry about is the harassment. Even if you delete all your social media, which is difficult for someone who needs it for work. I've seen people get death threats and have their home addresses leaked and all sorts. I don't think I even have massively controversial opinions or anything. Then someone once sent me an angry rant because I tweeted a question about hedgehogs. What was that relating to? Last week when we discussed my concerns about not giving the full history and the full like moral outlines of yes. everyone we mentioned okay. and how yes. yes how that can reflect back on us i mean i've worried about it loads i have uh, like in my for all my brazen front that i i guess put forward on mm. broadcasts and stuff when i've talked about the esoterotic i certainly got to a point where i i stopped doing live events mm. and that was by the way because i they were starting to scare me so yes, the yeah. the the fervor that appeared to be being stoked about me, mm-hmm. about making me the villain. I mean, this might be paranoia, by the way. I'm happy to acknowledge that. But the way that it was starting to feel, it, it happened during the movie tour when people were acting, as we discussed on here before, mm-hmm. in the Q&As and in meeting people afterwards, like signing stuff and all that sort of business. There were certain people who I would presume are all in on this who were not overtly threatening, but it felt threatening. It felt quite... Uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it felt... there was The sense of fun was being lost with some people. Yes. You know, the sense of it being fun and a, a construct mm-hmm. was being lost on some people. And they were being certainly rude to me, and mm-hmm. there's no necessary threat in somebody being rude. But there was just a feeling where I was like, well, what if someone gets so upset with me that they hit me or yeah. they shoot me <laughs> or whatever. So I've been susceptible to that without mm-hmm. a doubt, you know, thinking that are my actions provoking, in inverted commas, other people who, again, I already see as unbalanced. <laughs> yeah. yeah well. <laughs> because of what they believe. Yeah. So but that's my prejudice with it. I think that's but, what puts a lot of people, I think rightly puts a lot of people off engaging with a lot of yeah. these esoteric communities, because it's scary and it's horrible, even within any kind of subculture, whether that's, you know, music-based yeah. or, you know, 
ghost-based or anything, there'll always be someone who's watching your every move and interpreting yeah. it in a completely bizarre way and will be ready to but the, but, to fight you, whether that's with words or physically. It's, it's frightening. But See, see I've, I've had this levelled at me in the other direction that I come across as threatening, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't say, no, I don't, because if that's what somebody feels, that's what somebody feels. But... That's certainly not my intent, and that's never yeah. been my intent. But at the same time, I start then thinking, well, are you interpreting me in a way to to warrant your behaviour back? Yeah. You know, like when people say, well, you made me do that. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Is that what's happening? That's why I said about provoked in inverted commas, is it's like I'm not trying to uh, start a war here. Mm. I'm just stating my opinion and stuff. And you are entitled to state your opinion back. But I, I think I'm always trying to do it, I, I think, mm-hmm. I'm 93% of the time yeah. doing it in what I hope is a, a friendly, aggressive way. You know what I mean? I'm being ridiculous. I, I, I don't get this wound up about it in reality. Yes. I do roll yeah. my eyes at it, but when, whenever I'm wound up, it's normally performative. From time to time, I will get genuinely angry about it, and that normally is to do with exploitation, people mm-hmm. being exploited either financially or emotionally, whatever it is, yeah. often to do with mediums. Uh, I'm, I'm not bothered whether somebody wants to say somewhere's haunted and charge a fortune for it. I, you know, I, I, I don't care about that. Mm. But I do think that preying on someone's vulnerabilities yeah. in terms of either grief or whatever that is, that does make me genuinely, passionately angry. Yes. That, that, that is true. Yeah. But I remember earlier on when we did this podcast, somebody writing in and saying, I'm scared that Ian's going to say what, you know, make fun of me or whatever. And then I did in a jokey way. Yeah. Because they'd said about me, make, that was the whole point of it, was I did what they said they were scared of me doing. Yeah. But did it quite obviously as a joke. That yeah. I didn't mean what I was saying. Mm. And I felt, with passage of time, I've thought about that quite a lot. And I felt that was a rather manipulative way of starting a debate uh, a snidey I'll, mm-hmm. I'll even say that word yeah it was a snidey way of doing it going well i was going to comment but ian is this and this and, this. and it's like well i'm actually not at yeah. all yeah and we can disagree and if i decide to take it in a comedic direction what i see as comedic direction and be mm-hmm. ridiculous then i will and you can't stop me doing that nor can i stop you doing it either but if if there's a undermining at the start, and this is something I spoke about an awful lot, certainly in the paranormal field, that there is a tactic of undermining the opposition, yes. which I believe normally comes from a place of insecurity with what you're asserting. So I'd say not I just what you're asserting. A... I'd say of who you are as well. I think. Well, yeah, yeah, the, yeah maybe the importance maybe, of personality yeah, in the paranormal, even when trying to back up your inverted commas evidence, is a, is a huge aspect, definitely. Yeah, but it, it's it's a you know it's a commonly used political tactic now as well to yeah. undermine somebody and say well they'll do this if I say this so I am being silenced in some way or I am being uh, there's, there's a bias against yes. me you know yeah. it, it, it's a it's it's kind of pathetic but it's also quite insidious mm. and I don't like that tactic I don't yes. like that idea and I certainly don't like and it upsets me by mm-hmm. the way as well which I'm now revealing as a potential Achilles heel but it upsets me when people say things about me that are simply untrue because they're an easy thing to get people to misinterpret what I'm like 
Yeah. So it's very easy to go, he's a bully, he's aggressive and all that, because I have been portraying in a comedic way that character. So you make it a reality. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I yeah. think that's quite sinister. I've it thought is. about that loads. I yeah. don't think we've spoken about it before. I've, we, we, I've, I've we thought did. about it a lot. And it, it's kind of just all ties into the people's ability or inability to differentiate art from the artist. But the opinions stated are, generally speaking, mine. You know, it, it's a persona more than a character in yeah. terms of I will act a certain way in certain projects. That's more to do with the way I portray myself. But the things I'm saying, generally speaking, if I'm making a serious point, as I am at the moment, mm-hmm. I, I, I do believe. Yes. I don't think it's an inability to separate the art from the artist because I think they know full well that's not what's happening. Yeah. So they already have separated it in their head. They know okay, that already. Okay, no, I get what you However, mean. However, yeah. to portray me in that way suits their narrative. Yes, yeah. This isn't just happening to me in the world, by the way, Yeah. on this subject. This is a tactic that's regularly yes. employed at the moment. Yeah. So it suits their narrative to portray me as a certain thing and then compound that. Essentially, you're saying, mug him instead of me. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Right, well, thanks for starting that, Sophie. This is going to be a really long recording now. (laughs) Tango says, uh, I would love a deep dive episode on the Stanford prison experiment. I've often heard it referred to... (laughs) (laughs) I've often heard it referred to as a terrifying insight into the horror that lies just beneath the surface of the human psyche. A runaway experiment that had to be shut down early by the university. From what I've seen, it seems to have been a farce of a study that was more theatre performance than science. Um, I think that also refers to a hell of a lot of paranormal uh, claims. Yeah, yeah more theatre performance than science. I don't actually know an awful lot about the Stanford experiment. Uh, the, the first time I heard about it was when it was uh, my erstwhile double act partner had, had written a sketch for us to do on stage mm-hmm. about it. I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. And then he explained to me what it was. And, and we did this thing where we were playing different roles within an experiment mm-hmm. based on the Stanford experiment. But I've never properly looked into it myself. I don't know how credible it actually is or how credible yeah. the reports of it actually are. Do you know about it? I really don't know that much about it at all. Most of my knowledge no. comes from that one German film. I've just had an idea. Let's yeah. do a deep dive into it. That's I've just I've just had that idea. You have just had that. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, let's do that. What a brilliant idea. Hazel Quinlan says, don't want to bring... Thank you for your kind (laughs) words about the podcast, Tango, but I've just had an idea about something else, so we have to just cut your comment short. (laughs) Sneaky boy. Um, Hazel Quinlan says, don't want to bring the mood down with my comments again, so I'll just say I'm really enjoying the podcast. You're not bringing the mood down, Hazel. Don't be silly, but thank you. Annette Truby says, some really interesting and funny discussion today, although I'm feeling a little sad because you skipped my orbs question. So I'm very, very sorry, Annette. Did we? I did. I think I got a bit tangled because there was just so many orbs. It was like a snowstorm. So I found found it. I'm very sorry, Annette. She said that I know, Facebook know, many people who say they've seen orbs with their own eyes and that's their line in the sand. If it's on film or photo, it's dust or bugs. But if it's seen with the naked eye, that's no trick of the lens or light effect, then that's a real orb indicating the presence of a spirit. There are things like will-o'-the-wisps, in the right environment and there's a good chance some are simply seeing eye floaters or flashes of light but if people are really seeing these orbs with their own eyes what else could cause it yeah skip that skip that i reckon (laughs) (laughs) right yeah sorry annette um it's ghosts or migraines that's it um dan (laughs) paulie says 
I had to book a hotel in that London the other day. Imagine my delight when I realised I'd chosen one just a street away from Cock Lane. Thanks, Dan. I stayed in that same hotel, I imagine. And isn't Cock Lane underwhelming? But have a giggle. Thank you. <laughs> so, this week's discussion... <laughs> Well done on fielding that comment beautifully. <laughs> Thank you. I'm a professional. Right, shall we get to it? Yep. Welcome to Loopholes, episode 25. Hey, Kate, who's your favourite exorcist? Oh, thanks for asking, Ian. Um, it's the Reverend Dr. Donald O'Mand, who lived from 1903 okay to, to 1985. Go? Can I just go? Shush, stay there. <laughs> stay. He was kind of England's greatest celebrity exorcist. But you see, I think I've got things that will keep you in this story. All right, so I mentioned right. that he exercised the Bermuda Triangle. Let's see that as kind of the, the denouement of a weird and wonderful career, okay? In what manner are you using the word denouement? As in it was the biggest... Give me your, <laughs> give me your definition of denouement for this. Well, in this context, I would say yeah. that it was the greatest claim that he made as an exorcist. As in the greatest, right. as in the most, arguably maybe the most ridiculous but also greatest as in the largest space he'd ever okay. exercised. Can you, you're clever, so can you give me a heads up on this? Because I've used the word denouement an awful lot in my life and I've mm-hmm. got an awful feeling I'm using it wrong. So as I understand it, the denouement, mm-hmm. certainly in relation to a story, which is when I usually use it, yes. is the big event that concludes the story yes. nearly... So it's not the actual ending, it's just before the ending. It, it's, I personally, I've always used it as in like, it refers to, yes, that big grand end, like a crescendo in music. Like it's, it's Yeah, the but big I, see, I, I think the thing. actual dictionary definition of it, I'm going out on a limb here, because <laughs> I don't know this and I know that you are well smart and do editing and stuff, is that it's the beat before the actual ending. Yeah, we need a conclusion to a denouement, but the denouement is the key thing. That's so, the, for example, that's the point where all the strands are pulled together. Right. The de- yeah. So the denouement of say the film Seven, which I think enough people know the big ending of that yes. now for it to not be a spoiler. The denouement is that the box that arrives has it's horrible. It has his wife's head in the box. That's the denouement. Mm-hmm. But then what happens for the following few minutes is the essentially the finale. <sighs> I would say you can whack it all in together because it's no. kind of the tying in of threads no. and the resolution. I'm getting more confident now as I'm saying it. I reckon you're wrong. I reckon you're wrong. <laughs> right. Decided. Okay. Of all the points we're going to argue in this story, you're picking Denouement. <laughs> Leave a comment and tell us what Denouement means. Neither of us can be bothered to Google it. <laughs> Look, Donald, our new mate. Yes, your mate. Right, he was chaplain at Billy Smart Circus for a bit. Which is quite exciting. Okay, now I'm interested. You see, yeah, like circuses, yeah. there's some old footage yeah. of him, like after a circus wedding, holding an ape, and you know, wishing the happy couple well. Um, but he the interest is waning. <laughs> <laughs> but he kind of dedicated his life to exorcism. Right. After retirement, it's strange for someone who was so famous to be largely a footnote at the minute. Now, when you say famous, what do you mean by famous? So that's, again, I'm going to ask you for lots of definitions today. Oh, God. What is that? Relatable to today's, what would be considered famous today? Um, kind of like what people know... What would that be? M- maybe, let's say, Psychic Sally, but in a more okay. 
I'm just thinking of level of esoteric. Es- yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking yeah. of levels of esoterotic measurement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. there were, you know, he wrote books. He had books written about him. I have heard of Psychic Sally, by the way. Well, there you go then. But, ah. but I would walk past her in the street. Well, yeah, same principle. It, it's just even if I recognised her. <laughs> <laughs> it's more knowing the idea of someone, shall we say? I see. Okay. But I, yeah. as the Bermuda Triangle is kind of the greatest conclusion of his career. Mm. You've got to start somewhere. You can't just build up and exercise the Bermuda Triangle. You've okay. got to exercise different things and smaller bodies of water. Right. Can I have a guess at Loch Ness? Yeah. First off. Yeah. Really? Is that one of them? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Loch Ness um, was kind of his his stabilizers or his training wheels for yeah. uh, the Bermuda Triangle. So this is Loch Ness, by the way, that is famously known to have a big ghost in it. Ah, uh, oh, 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 you you fool, you fool, Ian, it's not as simple as that. He was quite renowned for a time for exercising black spots on roads, like he exercised a portion of the A35. He believed that those places, the drivers that went past those black spots were demonically possessed and yeah. um, were kind of forced to veer into each other or veer off the road. Can I make my case at this point, this early, that we are talking about an utter lunatic? <laughs> Well, there was, there was a few people at the time that believed there were so-called vortexes to hell around the world. And, you know, they could be as, right. as large as the Bermuda Triangle or as small as a bend on a B road. But back to Loch Ness, his interest in kind of monster hunting, like the nature of monsters, um, began in the late 60s. So he'd okay. had a bit of experience when he went uh, to Norway with a friend in this this place called Lake Storjun. My Norwegian is very poor. This is when he was introduced to the concept of these ancient looking sea creatures with two humps being an evil problem. So when he was on this boat with his mate, the captain said after they saw these two big like arches in the river Mm -hmm. coming towards them, the captain said, it won't hurt us. They never do. But it's evil. So we apply this to all monster beasties like this. Okay. They want you to think that they're harmless. The evil that they do is to men's characters. I think Mm. their character was described in the first book of Genesis. That's your biblical mic drop moment. So the captain kind of put this, this seed in Donald's mind. By extension, the Loch Ness monster is kind of like the serpent that tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden. It's astounding, isn't it? Isn't it like it really is astounding. The front of these people is astounding. I mean, this is the very premise of what we talk about on here of loopholes. Mm. That everything that is a majestic claim or a, an esoteric, an esoterotic or a paranormal claim, or, like I think pretty much without exception. Mm-hmm. Everything has so many twists and turns of convenience, so many loopholes to it. Yes. When you actually look, you go, well, no, you can't just say that that applies, because if it doesn't apply, your argument is stupid. <laughs> like, I find it quite overwhelming, even as a discussion point. Yeah. It's shooting fish in a barrel for me. It's well, look, so convenient. You, I, I think you're getting too carried away too early. We've got a long way to go with this. Come on now. 
We've not. Right, people that say that it's a dinosaur, they're very silly. The so-called Loch Ness Monster is not physical, but psychical. It's a spectre of something which existed in the waters and on the shores of the vast lake in the deep recesses of the past. It causes much domestic unhappiness and shocking moral degeneration. So in this sense, by exercising Loch Ness and exercising this this spectral sea creature, Donald is kind of being like Mary Whitehouse monster hunter. So hang on, spectral, you said spectral then, yet when I said it was a ghost, you laughed at me. So what, what does spectral, spectral even mean? In, spectral in the term Definitions. Of, oh God. Spectral in the term of it being something spiritual and intangible. The monster is possessed, is that what we're saying? There is no monster physically. It is a it's it's sin. It's sin in a big snaky progress. form. No, wait, 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 wait. Let's let's not just skate past that. Oh, that God. is progress. Right. Right, there is no monster, so we've established that. Look. <laughs> This was a big deal at the time, and it was a recreation of it. Uh, was televised on the BBC in 1973. Okay, well, lo- luckily I wasn't paying my licence fee at that point, <laughs> otherwise I would have been writing a very stern letter. <laughs> How do you exercise a lock? On a map, you trace a cross over the lock, and you perform rites at four points, you know, at each end of the crucifix, and then your final rite is central, so in the intersection. And that's where you have to go out in a boat and perform a full exorcism. (laughs) Where he he said, I adjure thee, thou ancient serpent, thou cloak thyself no more manifestation of prehistoric demons, which henceforth shall bring no sorrow to the children of men. Now, of course, that many exorcisms in a short space of time absolutely exhausted him. And he had to be carried back... Did he die? ...to Did his he die? caravan. Did his he car- die? No, it was carried back to the caravan. This oh. is an important point, <laughs> how exhausting it is. But that was a puddle in comparison to the Bermuda Triangle. Can I just ask you, because mm-hmm. I have researched this before and I have forgotten yes. what the conclusion of it was. Mm-hmm. Is there a real-world explanation for the Bermuda Triangle? And indeed, are the Bermuda Triangle events... Correct. So is is there good foundation to say yeah. that in a certain area Yes. That, that there these... is always calamity? Well not not always. Well how often is it? How often has that happened? Well like, some can of the we most... apply the same thing to the M six, for example, you know what I mean? Well it's it's tricky, but there that space in particular it's a space in like the North Atlantic Ocean where a lot of ships and a lot of planes have gone missing. No, what is a lot? How many is a lot? Like, enough for them to have their own Wikipedia pages. Like I say, forgive me, I have actually researched this before. <laughs> yes. Can't remember what I found, but I do, and I certainly didn't find anything incriminating, okay, definitely, because well, I would have remembered that. Spoiler alert, you know, yeah. since the exorcism in the 70s, there have been about five, roughly, about five ships and five planes that have gone and down. And what surface area and is disappeared. talking about? Or um, sea area. Well, it's it's broad. The definition is really, really broad. So it's between like five hundred thousand and one point five million square miles. Right. Bearing in mind, Loch Ness is about twenty-two square miles. You know. No, I'm 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 fine with that. So, but these are the parameters we're working with. Yeah. But the conditions of of the Bermuda Triangle 
are, are known to be really, really unpredictable. It doesn't take take much in the Bermuda Triangle for like a, a strong wind to become a hurricane. And yeah, with such a wide yeah, area, it can happen like really quickly and really severely. Understood. But, but I think warning. the point I want to clarify mm-hmm. is that you could take, I presume, I don't know the facts exactly, but I presume, you, you could put that over the UK. Yes, yeah. With room to spare. Mm-hmm. So by the rationale of the legend and the you know the mystique of the Bermuda Triangle, yeah. if you applied that to the entire British Isles, yeah, yeah, you say, no, it's well, it's cursed because there will be more occurrences of tragedy yeah. within that smaller confined space than there is in that large yeah. triangle. A lot of it's down to the public imagination. You know, there was a news article in the fifties that really piqued everyone's imagination because, of course, this mythical triangle swallows people whole you know whether it's aliens atlantis all of this you know that's that's gonna be interesting but also when people have looked into it you know there's the gulf stream there's magnetic storms there's methane hydrates that are kind of like yeah quicksand really that change the density of water to consider so it's a bit of both but i think there's a perception of the bermuda triangle that it's like half a mile oh yeah no it's massive it's like you, if you yeah. have a, a globe you can you know, fit like a couple of Toblerone bits on it. It's, yeah, it's yeah, huge. It's not a cul-de-sac. It's not, don't go down there. <laughs> yeah. So the exorcism happened on the 16th of January, 1978. Right. And the year before, Donald had put forward this theory that the Bermuda Triangle was cursed. And this is yeah. also where we get into really kind of icky, racist territory as well. Right, okay. He believed that it was a form of retribution for the evil which had been done to people that were captured and enslaved from Africa. And he also right. thought that it was maybe a witch doctor or a man with a prominent personality who cast this okay. curse as like a dying curse, hence why it was super, super strong. Yeah. Now, he had a lovely holiday <laughs> to Bermuda. It When you read his account of it, it sounds like a travel brochure. So he flew to Bermuda. He stayed at this really lovely luxury resort oh yeah it's all right for some isn't it yeah and descriptions of of the exorcism kind of sound like a a holiday brochure a bit like wish you were here but with curses and so the plan was that they'd say prayers at several places around the globe so they'd have people stationed at all three corners of the bermuda triangle so in bermuda miami and puerto rico and then they'd also yeah. have services in different parts. But it wasn't Africa. Miami. But one, but one was Disney World. But it was Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else is in the poshest hotel in Dubai. <laughs> it's quite clear what's going on here. But they, there were also apparently prayer services in different um, parts of Africa and in the UK as well. So where the enslaved people were taken from and the slave owners. But right, I've okay. tried to look for like reports of this happening. Because they were in like Bristol and Liverpool in the UK. I can find right. nothing. So I don't know if this was okay. just, you know. The, the, the prayers you mean. <laughs> you yes. weren't You weren't denying slavery. Oh, God, no, 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 Prayer services. Prayer services. Nowadays, this sort of clarification oh, is very Jesus. important. Yes, it really is. So I can't find any evidence of these prayer services. Yeah. So they settled in a lovely secluded bay called Horseshoe Bay. And that's right. where Donald did his exorcism. And it was believed then that that, coupled with these you know, different points, would cleanse the area. So 
he would go for a paddle, say his prayers, and yeah. everything was fine. Now, much like Loch Ness, he was exhausted afterwards. Yeah. But also because he had to stay in, for another two weeks. Yeah, because he was in Bermuda. <laughs> Full he board. He wasn't carried back to a caravan. He just like he says he yeah. you know he took his shoes off and he went for a paddle. It's like yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, do you know what? I'm that tired. I might have to live here now forever. <laughs> <laughs> so he had a lovely time blessing the waters and getting a tan, and it he believed and his biographer would, would then go on to say that proof that it was successful was that 12 days later, a jet was going over the Bermuda Triangle where three of its engines failed out of nowhere. But then they restarted out of nowhere. But then it wasn't successful, was it? Before collision and no lives were lost. Thanks, Donald. But why would they have stopped in the first place with no explanation? Yeah. Well... (laughs) If it was successful. And if we're subscribing to this ludicrous claim that it's a cursed area. Yeah. But that, that was in... In the book, To Anger the Devil, which is a story about this is, his, his claims. This is oh, what no. I mean. I know, I know. These bits are so bizarre as yeah. arguments. And and the fact that they will take any stock at all in that of going, well, all its engines failed unexpectedly, unexplained that that happened. Yes. But it was successful because they all started again. And it's like, well, then, it, it, even if we're living within your weird fantasy world, You've proved that it didn't work because they all failed. Why yeah. did they all fail? For no reason. Well, I I looked up the handy Wikipedia lists of incidents within the Bermuda Triangle of planes and yeah. boats disappearing. And the, the list um, has been updated up until 2022. So Right, okay. Not, it, it, not 100% insane. successful. Did the Bermuda Triangle start smaller? <laughs> <laughs> Well, like a I, do you know what? I, I don't know this for a fact. Right? Mm. I don't know this at all. Even anecdotally, I don't know this. But I'm, I'll put my neck on the line here. I bet you anything mm. that the surface area of the so-called Bermuda Triangle started smaller, significantly smaller, mm-hmm. than it is now. And I reckon <laughs> it got widened and widened and widened. Eventually, long after we're gone... The, Bem- mm-hmm. the Earth will be called the Bermuda Triangle <laughs> because they'll be saying that every missing plane, boat, every tragedy that happens is to do with this curse. These lunatics will be saying this. Yeah. So they just have to make it bigger and bigger. Oh, well, one's happened there now, another 100,000 miles away. Right, well, we'll have to make it 100,000 miles bigger then now. <laughs> it defies comprehension Yeah, I mean, I, that with, this has ever gained any traction. With the Bermuda Triangle... Again, if you just produce a list of things that were lost of people that disappeared, it's very dramatic. But they don't produce a list of the planes and boats that pass through those same waters safely, because that's not as exciting. There's that, but I think the key thing with it is the actual size of it, is how Mm -hmm. big it is. That's the thing that's never specified when they talk about the Bermuda Triangle. And that's why I maintain that I think most people, if we took a microphone out into the street... Anywhere in the UK, and just ask people, how big is the Bermuda Triangle? And they'd go, oh, I don't know. I'd go, well, how, how big do you reckon? Yeah. I reckon they'd be saying it was no bigger than Blackpool. I reckon. Yeah, so as a child, certainly, before I ruined my life with collecting these sort of books, I believed yeah. that it was, yeah, that it was like the size of Grimsby. And anyone that Yet went it's... through it just disappeared. Whereas actually it's like massive. <laughs> it's like part of it, an ocean. It dwarfs the entire UK. Yeah, it's huge. 
That's what I think the problem is here. And I think if people knew that properly, they'd go, well, you can't say that an area that big is cursed. (laughs) I'd like to see where the boundaries are. Like, if you can draw straight lines in this triangle, and then if a boat sinks five miles outside of one of the lines, no to do with aliens, that, mate. Well, it's all going to be down to Pythagoras then, isn't it? You'll have to work out whether it is still a triangle. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have to alter all three sides, won't you? Yeah. Summing up, what do you think about this? What do you think is the either, either the motivation, or do you, like first off, do you think that he believed in all that? Because th- I think that's always a key thing: is whether you actually believe yeah. the perpetrator of these heinous crimes, as I consider them. <laughs> if the perpetrator knows that they are committing the crime, or whether the perpetrator is blissfully ignorant and is mm-hmm. all in on what they're talking about, do they believe it? Does he believe? Did he believe that it was a cursed area and that he was doing some good? Did he believe that? Yeah, I'm I'm more inclined to believe that he believed that the Bermuda Triangle was cursed. Yeah. But I also, from reading a lot about him and, and reading these books, he was surrounded by a hell of a lot of yes men and put himself right, okay. in situations and societies that were pushing esoterotic uh, research and mindsets. So yeah. I think even if he had a thought about sea monsters or anything like that, yeah. or you know how biblical interpretations of of tangible things, I think those flames were fanned by others. Yeah, but I do. Uh, I, I think that's key though. Like I do mm. think. So for example, who would be a good example of it nowadays? Um. Right, here's my here's what I think. Mm-hmm. I don't believe, personally, that Yuri Geller believes he is doing what... I think he knows the trick. So I, I don't believe that mm-hmm. he actually believes what, that, you know, that what he's saying. Yes. I don't believe that. Yeah. Okay? That's just my reading of the situation. And yeah. again, I, I'm of a cynical head. I admit that. But I do believe that David Icke believes what he is saying. Mm. There's kind of a grey area in the middle where people will enter such a career fraudulently and then start believing their own version of reality later on. So they'll start constructing falsehoods and then that will become their reality and then they do believe what they're doing, whereas actually you know, they started from a very different tack. And then you repeat it and it gets proliferated even though if you spoke to yourself a few years before, 10 years before, it, yeah. it would be easily dismissed by yourself. You know, yeah, and that, that's yeah. just applied to to anyone in any field of work, really. You can believe your own falsehoods. Oh, I've had that a few times in my real life. I've had times in my real life where I've suspected somebody was telling lies about me mm. and have, they have eventually told, told the you lie the lies, to yes. me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, and that that's all, always blows my mind because it's yeah. like, but there's only there's only me and you talking, <laughs> and you you know that I know that it's a lie, but you've forgotten. <laughs> and I think I think that's that, what happens. to... Happened a few times to me that. Was. Yeah, but I I think certainly that's a lot of esoteric claims yeah. are, are kind of like that that everyone forgets the root and they all believe the story because the story is far more exciting than the reality of you know believing that the Bermuda Triangle is cursed. That's rather yeah. more exciting than believing that a priest and his mates got a free holiday to Bermuda. Not for me. 
I'm all about <laughs> finding people out. <laughs> so what was his name again? The Reverend Dr. Donald Omand. So that was the story of the Reverend Dr. Donald Omand, an evil man. <laughs> So that was Loopholes episode 25. The This was another one. This was another one that I wasn't yeah. in the right frame of mind for. No. I've been poorly. I know, I know. I've just I'm been sorry. poorly. I'm in, a, I'm in a grumpy mood anyway. Yeah. Well, if you have any strong views on exorcism by land, sea or air, do get in touch. I've got a curse in my leg. I've got a curse in my yeah. leg. <laughs> the hospital said it was a blood clot, but it's not. It's, it's, it's a, a curse. curse. I need somebody to exercise my leg. I mean, if anyone should be exercising their legs, it yeah, should be me. Fair point, really, isn't it? Okay. Um, well, you tell me that. <laughs> you can contact us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Ian Boltsworth and patreon.com forward slash burials and beyond. Facebook at Loopholes Podcast. Instagram at Loopholes Pod. Twitter at Loopholes Pod. And you can send us an email at loopholespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for all your comments and questions. Much appreciated, as always. Do keep them coming. I have been Ian Bowlesworth. And I have been Kate Cheryl. See you next week. Bye. Loopholes is an infinite hermit production in association with Burials and Beyond. With Kate Cheryl and Ian Bowlesworth. Music by Thomas Funderay. Produced by Ian Bowlesworth. Thank you.